Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. I pray that you all are as blessed as I am. I may not be able to see your smiling teeth, but I can see your eyes. I may not be able to shake hands, but we can shake hearts. Amen? Amen. Would you take your seats? As you might imagine, it's been fairly tough to navigate this whole COVID pandemic. And not to belabor the point, but I'm so grateful for those of you that have taken time to encourage and uh, offer words of wisdom and counsel and for the doctors and nurses and scientists that we have in our congregation that have sent me endless amounts of information to help with decision making. Uh, We are just grateful that we still live in a country uh, where we can do this. You, you can't do this in Syria. You can't do this in Saudi Arabia. You can't do this in Iran. You can't do this in Indonesia. You cannot do this in China with or without masks. And so we need to really focus on what we can do, not what we can't do. Amen? We are blessed, church to be able to gather together even with masks on and even in the noonday sun. The early church met under trees and sat on rocks and uh, were inside of houses that were no bigger than most of our bathrooms. And so I want to just thank you for taking time to come and spend the morning with Jesus and with the rest of the saints. So uh, we're not going to encourage you to stand and hug, but we will encourage you to properly socially distant and distance yourselves and say hello and you know somebody told me because I think we suggested that people wink and that there's a verse in the Bible that says that winking is from the devil but so so if you feel led to wink we will not judge you okay (laughs) do whatever you can to make a smile with your eyes and thank the Lord for his goodness We're going to meet like this until the conditions change, and so uh, this will be our normal. We may move uh, the first service a little bit earlier if it continues to get hotter. So uh, we we think that may be on the near horizon, but we'll keep you posted. So ccsouthbay.org or forward slash now, make sure and keep up there. And I want to let you know that uh, as we are logistically doing a lot of things that we have to move in and out of the church for a time, we're going to temporarily temporarily suspend our Sunday evening service so we can concentrate on Sunday mornings and Thursday nights. Thursday nights will also be outside, so we'll have an evening service uh, out here in the same spot. Um, make sure that you do download the new app. If you haven't seen it yet, it's available on the App Store. Just type in Calvary Chapel South Bay. You're going to see a brand spanking new app uh, that's much, much easier to navigate. And it gives you instantaneous links to a lot of things, including our notes. 
and those types of things. And they'll be very beneficial for you during this time where we don't have giant screens to post PowerPoint on or put up all kinds of slides with what's going on here at CC South Bay. I had planned on possibly doing a special message today, and I really felt that the Lord told me don't, and here's why. We'll save that to when we get back into God's house, and we can just have a rejoicing service of being finally delivered from this. And so today, we're going to continue doing what we've always been doing, which we have not stopped doing, which is studying God's Word. So if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, uh, we begin now chapter 10 and a message that I've entitled The Call and the Commission. Uh, as you might imagine, I've gotten a fair amount of emails and texts telling me what we should be doing right now, uh, how we should be responding and what we should be thinking about and acting on and, and you know, engaging and endeavoring to do. And you know, oddly enough, most of the time, it, it's not the things that Jesus told us to do. And I want you to look at this passage. We're going to take the first 16 verses today. And it is important that you look and see that these are almost entirely the words of Jesus, except for verse 1 and five words of verse 2. The remainder of these verses, 15 of them, are simply what Jesus said. And if Jesus is going to be the source of our salvation, if Jesus is going to be the source of our sanctification, if his word, if he is the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, then I think the words of Jesus ought to be very important to the church. And so we receive from Jesus this message as he calls these 70 others also. You might put yourself into this group of 70, the early church into the group of 70. We have been called by the Lord with a very specific message, with a very specific calling, and with a very specific commission. And that's to go and preach the gospel to the entire world until all the world knows Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for these incredible saints that have endured so much during this time. And I pray that every single person that's here today would feel from heaven your hands, would hear from heaven your voice, would receive from you the blessing of obedience. Lord, as we've come to gather uh, as best we can as your church, would you fill this outdoor sanctuary with your spirit and anoint your word that we might receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And this is where you can just kind of slide your name. It could have been 71, 72 millions. People with the same commission to take the good news of the gospel into the world so that the world through Christ Jesus can be saved. And he sent them out two by two before his face. And that phrase there is simply, when you were to meet somebody, we, we can do it virtually. Any of you FaceTimed? You, you pull out your phone and, you know, you call somebody up on their number and it's like you push your little FaceTime button all of a sudden you can like, oh, hi, how you doing? 
Well, you're actually going before your face and before their face when you do that. You can see that person's face. During biblical times, you saw somebody's face by seeing their face, amen? Their real face. We're kind of bummed that we can't see one another's faces right now. But it was during that time, the only way that you saw anybody, there was no TV, there was no printed news media, there were no magazines. You needed to go before the face of somebody to see them into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And so it's very clear that the message comes from the Lord Jesus, the mission comes from the Lord Jesus, the method comes from the Lord Jesus, and the way they are going to carry out their duties is going, is going to be the, the gospel alive in the world through these men who are going where Jesus went and doing what Jesus did. Super important, church, because we can get so distracted by so many things in this day and time that we miss the message and we miss the messenger. We start to engage in things that ultimately are not going to change our culture. Our culture is going to change when the heart of our culture is changed. Jesus knew that. That's why he preached the way he preached and said what he said. And then he said to them, the harvest is truly great. The harvest is very great. Church, the harvest is still very great. Amen? It's great in your neighborhood. It's great in your business. It's great in those restaurants that we hope are able to open soon. It's great in every place that we can go. Everywhere we can be, the harvest is still truly great. And we need to make sure that we understand that the harvest is still truly great or we miss the totality of this message. But the laborers are few. Church, what's the problem? Is it a lack of power of the Holy Spirit? If the harvest is great, and Jesus is encouraging us that the harvest is great, and the very next thing he says is the laborers are few, what do you think the problem is? The problem is too much of the church thinks it's somebody else's job to preach the gospel. We did a memorial service here yesterday. The first service we held outside was actually a memorial service for our, our dear buddy who's gone on to be with the Lord. And person after person, family member after family member, friend after friend after friend said, and buddy led me to Christ. He led his whole family to Christ. And then his family led other people to Christ. Transformed the culture of his neighborhood. Church, we still have the same task ahead of us. The harvest is plentiful. It's truly great, but the labors are few. And therefore, what does the Lord say to pray for? Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out somebody else into the harvest field. No, it's just laborers into his harvest. 
The Apostle Paul was so assured of this that as he looked at his own life and as he managed his own affairs, in Romans chapter 1, as he's writing to the Roman Christians, he said, I'm not ashamed, in verse 16, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? For it. Circle in your Bible the word it, because the word it refers to exactly one thing. It's the gospel. The it of the thing that Paul was not ashamed of was not his stance on politics. It wasn't whether he was affiliated with one political party or another party. It wasn't about some social issue. As important as these things are in our culture, the it of the Apostle Paul was the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek or the Gentile. Church, why is this important to us today? Because this is our call still. This is what the church is for. This is what we're about. This is why the church exists. Think of it for a second. If you want to look at, you know, I don't know how many of you have a business or how many of you work somewhere where there, someplace in your place of employment, there is a mission statement. But it normally lists your core values. It lists your objectives, how you're going to reach out and accomplish the mission of the business that you are engaged in. The mission of the church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that men might be saved. That's the mission of the church. That is our prime directive. And in our day and time, we're getting caught up and we're starting to see the church eat at itself because we're being concerned overly with things that are not the mission of the church. We have to be careful, because people's eternity lie in the balance. That's why Jesus takes this time. Would they be faithful? Would they go out and do what God asked them to do? Will we be faithful? Will we go out and do what God asks us to do? That's the, that's the question that I think each of us should look at today. It's like, have I been faithful with the time that God's given me and the talents God's given me and the treasure that God's given me to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the most important thing you can ever do with your life. But Jesus himself says the laborers are few. Church, let's add to the laborers. Amen? Let's be what God's called us to be. Other things we can engage in with the modicum of our time, but the primary focus of every believer is to see that other believers are birthed in Christ. As I was studying this passage this morning, it struck me that this calling that we have is not exactly easy, amen? He uses the context here of the harvest field or farming. Harvesting, it's hard work. 
There's a vast field. You know, we're so blessed in our nation. We have these huge combines and farming machinery and automatic fertilizers and sprinklers and all kinds of things. But the example then was farming was really hard. And Jesus said, don't pray for an easier job farming. He said, pray for more laborers. Well, how do we get more laborers in the harvest field? By making every believer something other than a spectator. Our consumer culture, the culture in which we live in church, is so used to paying something for something and then taking that something and using it however we want that we have begun to apply that to church. It's like, well, I'll just pay somebody else to go. I'll pay someone else to go share the gospel. I'll give to this or give to that. When God is saying, are you going to heed the call and actually share the gospel? Are you going to get engaged? Not are you going to pay a pastor to do it or a missionary to do it. It's going to be hard. You know why? Because people aren't going to like you. They're going to look at you and go, man, you're so weird. You are like the, you're one of those Jesus freak people. Like all you ever talk about. Can I tell you one of the greatest compliments you can ever get? You're getting preachy. <laughs> Somebody tells you they're getting preachy, that's because you just thumped them with the rock and they're yapping. We're to be busy about the gospel, church. It's going to be hard. Too many Christians are praying and paying for someone else to go do something that they're unwilling to do themselves. Be willing to go yourself. And so Jesus next commissions them. Notice, he says, go your way, verse 3. Behold, and I send you out as lambs among wolves. Now, that doesn't sound very appealing, does it? I'm sending you out to be eaten alive. It's effectively what he's saying. (laughs) Not only is it going to be dangerous, but you're probably going to get bit. He says, carry neither a money bag or a knapsack or sandals. And greet no one along the road. Now, I want to be really careful here in the context. So I don't want anybody saying, well, Pastor Jeff told us not to talk to anybody. Because Jesus said, don't talk to anybody. It's not what he said. That phrase was used during that day and time because that was a situation in in Palestine, in this region that we now would say is national Israel. They believed in Near Eastern hospitality. So when you showed up at somebody's house, you could be there for two days. If you came and there was a wedding going on, you might be there for eight days. He's saying, make sure that you don't get caught up in fruitless conversation. Can I give you some fruitless conversation pieces? Politics. You want to talk about fruitless politics. I'll give you another fruitless piece of conversation that you might have that people will get, try and drag you into so that you don't get to the good news of the gospel. Conspiracy theories. Well, you know, uh, Bill Gates created uh, a chimera, and uh, we're all being wiped out by it. 
I have people send me all kinds of little pieces of information trying to drag me into conversations along the way that are meaningless so I never get to the gospel message. Be careful. Stay on task. Stay on mission. People's lives are depending eternally on the gospel. Not on whether you figured out exactly who the Antichrist is or not. I've had people send me, I got a 40-page treatise on why President Trump is the Antichrist. Crazy. It's like, who wasted that much time pontificating about silliness when people's lives are perishing? And then at the bottom, if you don't agree with this, you're of the devil. Well, Jesus don't agree with it. Is he of the devil? Because I guarantee you, Jesus is not going to walk around. Well, you know, Pilate. You know, if we could just change who was the governor of Judea right now. Jesus never did that. Jesus preached the gospel, the good news, so that people could be saved. Go to whatever house you enter. First say, peace to this house, shalom. Shalom alam alekum. Peace unto you. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, will return to you and remain in that same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For a laborer is worthy of his wages and do not go out of that house. And so he simply reminds them, look, you're not going to have any special protection. You're not going to have any special provision. You're not going to have any special prosperity. You're not going to have any special people pleasures. You're not going to be special at all. Go do the job. Go preach the gospel. Go tell people about Jesus. He tells them, don't take a, a, a money bag or a money box. Don't take a spare set of sandals. He, he's, he's reminding them, he says, look, you, you guys are going to go into this world with basically nothing. Don't carry a money bag, knapsack, or sandals. Those are things that we would think are pretty essential, amen? But what he's saying is not that you don't need one, but you don't need a spare. Why? Because there's no time to spare. We get so concerned with so many things. Anybody figured out during this COVID pandemic that you can live without a lot of things you thought you had to have? I have. I'm not convinced on the Dodger baseball thing yet. <laughs> but that's coming back this afternoon, amen? No, but we have, haven't we? We've all sat there and thought, it's like, well, gosh, you know, this isn't the worst thing. I actually have to fellowship with my wife. Or that I spend time with my children. Or that I actually get to know my neighbors. And instead, I've had people tell me, well, you know, when I went to the beach, I, I couldn't put out my lawn chair. Really? You know what? None of us like that. None of us like wearing masks. We're all sitting here going... Okay, end the service because I want to take the mask off. I, I, I get it. I get I really do. But I know this. We can preach gospels with masks on. We, we can tell people about Jesus even under a COVID lockdown, can't we? 
The nation of Israel is about to get openly hostile towards the gospel of grace, and Jesus is basically saying, stay on task. Don't get moved. Don't let the pandemic move you. You know, strangely enough, I've had people actually come up and talk to me because I have a mask on. Now, I'm not sure what that's saying about my face. But they, they, they stop and they, it's, it's like they're aching for conversation. Whereas before they might kind of wave, but now it's like, well, with the mask on, I can't really see your mouth or I can't see your smile, so I might actually have to go talk to you. Maybe seize on it as a, as a way to share the Lord Jesus with somebody who might otherwise not even talk to you. Notice the general conditions of this commission. Verse 8, in whatever city you enter, if they receive you, eat such things as, he, as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Anytime you see the phrase kingdom of God, you can actually just circle that and write the totality of the word of God in the margin of your Bible. Because Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God. He himself was the word become flesh. And so what is contained within the word is all we know about the kingdom of God. It's the truth that we know about the kingdom of God. And so it's another way of saying they talked to them about the scriptures. They shared with them the truth of the coming kingdom, how you get there, the way you're supposed to act in this life, what will happen in the next, the whole kingdom. Everything the Bible has to say to us, it's come near you. And as Jesus was with them, obviously the kingdom itself was wrapped up in King Jesus who was right there. Whatever city you entered, they do not receive you. Go out into its streets and say the very dust of your city which clings to us. We wipe off against you and nevertheless know this, that the kingdom of God has still come near you. You see, your job is to preach the gospel. Your job is not to try and get results. Your job is simply to tell people about Jesus, about the king and his kingdom and how you get there. The results are not up to you. And so Jesus is showing us exactly how important it is that, that we teach the truth. And if it's not received, continue to pray for that person. But don't waste your time trying to beat people into the kingdom. If you can talk someone in, they can be talked out. If you could beat someone in, they can be beat right out of the kingdom. Share the truth and move on. On these next four verses specifically, because they're, they're weighty, they're heavy, I have two slides that are in our slide set that I'm not going to highlight during our time this morning. But I want you to go there. If you have thoughts, you have concerns, you have cares about the issue of homosexuality, because Jesus is going to allude to the city of Sodom here, but he's doing so in a very specific way, and I want you to notice how he's doing it. He is actually making a reverse comparison. He, he's saying that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, and it would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for Bethsaida and Corazon on the judgment day. Is that 
frighten anyone here? It should. Why is that? Because to the extent that we've been given grace, the extent we've been given light, the extent that we have been blessed of the Lord, to the extent that we have privileges and power and passion, to the extent that we have been given the blessings of God, we have an uber responsibility to use those blessings for the king and for the kingdom. And if not, then it will be better in Sodom, what happened to Sodom, and for the reason Sodom was destroyed, it would be better for Sodom. It says, but I say to you that it'll be more tolerable in that day. That's a phrase that's often used. We're studying this in the book of Isaiah. We just finished in the book of Hosea. In that day, the last days, the day of Jacob's trouble would be the best time to describe it. The very end, the tribulation for Sodom than for that city that rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woe to you, Chorazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. These are twin cities. Uh, They're actually just little towns. One is on the Sea of Galilee and one is just slightly north of the Sea of Galilee, but they were kind of connected and traded back and forth just a mile or so apart and about two miles from Capernaum where Jesus had set up his ministry with Peter and Peter's mother-in-law. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, the cities of the Phoenicians, the cities which were debauched, the cities which were absolutely known to be rotten and contrary to God, They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be more tolerable for you in Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. You understand what Jesus is saying here? He's saying to the extent that we've been given blessings, been given light, been given the goodness of God to the extent that we are God's kids and receive from him so much, If we fail to use that for the master's mission, it's not going to go well for us. We've missed it. And you, Capernaum, who were exalted to heaven, be brought down to Hades. And he who hears you, hears me. And he who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, I want to finish this on a, on a wonderful, upbeat note. But I think you can see that there was a repulsive city, and the first one is Sodom. And so God is clearly Jesus speaking in that sense, though Jesus himself didn't speak out against homosexuality there wouldn't have been a Jewish person listening that didn't understand exactly what Jesus was getting at. It's like that city was a mess. You see, we're so prone to look at the problems of others that we fail to see the responsibility we have ourselves. And church, during this time where things are strange, things are weird, things are hard, things are difficult, none of us like this 
lockdown that we're under. And the reason we're doing what we're doing right now is to try and put an end to it. It's saying, look, we want this to be over. So we're all doing our part to prefer others. But our mission is still the mission of the gospel. And so there were receptive cities. Cities that said yes to the gospel, received the messenger, received the Messiah. And there were these repulsive cities like Sodom. And Jesus is saying, look, I I want to be really clear here. Sodom was bad. Its sins were bad. The things that were going on there got the city destroyed after the righteous were pulled out of it. That was bad. But if you have the light of the gospel, if you have the blessings of God, if you have the kingdom treasures, and you know the king yourself, if you've received the goodness of the Lord, and you hang on to it, and you say, well, send somebody else with the message and the messenger, Jesus is saying, woe to you. He's saying, look, you have the light. Share the light. The problem was obvious in Sodom is basically what he's saying. He's saying, we all understand what the issue was. And I've had people come to me and they'll, they'll say things like, well, you know, we should, you know, we should go to those places and just continue. No, Jesus actually said, if they're rejecting it, don't waste your time. You're not going to get anywhere by standing out in front of a strip club trying to preach the gospel to a bunch of drunks. You know why that is? Because they don't want the light. That's why they're there. That's why it's very fruitless. That's why sometimes our protestations do almost nothing. Because if you just simply protest and you don't tell people about the king and his kingdom, then you've missed the opportunity that is the body of Christ we're supposed to have. Jesus says, look, don't just point out the problem. Everybody knew what was wrong with Sodom. Tell them the truth. Preach Christ and him crucified for the remission of sin so that they might be saved, change their heart. And then the rest of the stuff will follow along with the changed heart. Church, that's our job today. That's what God's called us to do. The Bible says a a ton about this issue that was in Sodom. And again, you can just go to the note page there and pick those up if you want to study a little deeper. I did that for you so that you can understand what the Bible says about that subject. But here's the tragedy. What could possibly be the comparison between Sodom, Tyre, Sidon, Corazon, Bethsaida, and Capernaum? What could be the comparison? And here it is. As bad as unrepentant sin is, as bad as walking in a lifestyle that the Bible plainly condemns is, as horrible as not walking in the truth is or knowing the truth, 
It is far worse to know the truth and then do nothing with it. It's going to be worse, Jesus said. Woe to you. He picks out these cities that he spent all this time in. Bethsaida, Chorazon, and Capernaum. It's where he lived. Why would he do that? Because they knew better. They had watched miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They had heard the Lord Jesus himself preach the truth upon truth upon truth upon truth. They had watched the Son of Man miraculously feed 5,000 people in one sitting. They had seen the dead raised. They had seen the sick made well. They had seen the lame walk, and they still weren't doing anything with it. I know this is kind of heavy, but I think it's super important because I believe where we are today is a wonderful, unique opportunity in the history of our nation to say, I know the solution. I know how to fix this. I know what the problem is, and I absolutely can tell you how to fix it. You see, how do we fix it? It's not by just condemning Hollywood or Las Vegas or saying there's all kinds of drug trafficking in Ciudad Juarez or talking about the homosexuality that's rampant in San Francisco or maybe in Long Beach or being harsh in a general sense. It's saying, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want you to know the one who saved me, the one who changed me, the one who right now is blessing me, the one who loves me with an undying love. I I want you to hear about the gospel of grace. That causes us to contemplate our own part in the harvest field, exactly how Jesus starts this. Don't pray for somebody else to go. Pray for boldness for you to go. Pray for boldness for us to go. Every neighborhood. You know, I see sometimes we, we fall into these traps of saying, well, you know, it's going to be fine in Rolling Hills. If I could just live there. Can I tell you, there are perhaps even more lost people because they're clinging to the riches. Well, you know, I don't know if I, I, I could go, you know, in, in, into that neighborhood. You know, it's dangerous. Jesus isn't going, well, that's not a good neighborhood. Don't go there. He, he's saying, take the same message into every neighborhood. Be bold wherever you are. Don't cast off anybody. Reach out to everybody. Because in the end, we're all God's kids. 
We're all made in the image of Christ. As, as we commit our lives to the Lord, we're part of the same family, amen? And in a human sense, we were actually fashioned in the image of God himself. It means we have equal value, every last one of us, in every neighborhood, in every city and state and county and country. And so Jesus is saying, look, let's keep the main thing the main thing. And let's preach the gospel. Let's share the truth. Let's love people the way Jesus loved people. Look, he had a reason to not love the disciples, amen? They're about to get to Jerusalem, and if you ever wondered if Jesus loved the disciples, look how they respond as we move into that Passion Week. Like you talk about failure. Look, don't be harsh on yourself. Get up and go with the good news. Love your friends, love your neighbors, love your family. Love them into the kingdom. Share the light with them. That's the way God's going to fix what's wrong right now. That's how he's going to move in this world right now. It's because we take seriously the call and the commission to preach the gospel and teach people about the kingdom of God. Amen? Would you stand with me and we'll pray? Remind you because we're doing this as best we can in a way to socially distance. We'll have ushers at all the exits with buckets. So if you want to tithe and you're not doing it online at CC South Bay forward slash give, then you can finally get the give here in the outdoor sanctuary uh, as you leave. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that you called me. I thank you called us. I thank you that as you use us, Lord, in this world which is perishing, Lord, your word is very clear. This world is perishing. One day it's going to be rolled up as a scroll, and the thing that matters to you is our neighbors and our friends and our family. What matters to you is not the stuff, it's not the junk that we've collected on this earth, it's not the buildings, it's not the dirt, it's people. And so Lord, as the harvest field is ready, it's white for the harvest, but the laborers are few. God, would we be truly busy about you and about your business in this world? Help us to preach Christ. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Use us for your glory, for your purposes. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.